it's New Year's Day here on the border And it's always been this way I never do the things I order I think I'll stay, it's New Year's Day Good morning, good morning, good morning, Cable Smith. Welcome, everybody, to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Of course, it had to be Charlie Robinson, New Year's Day, kicking things off for us here on episode 513. Thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well. Thanks to you guys and gals for being here. We've got a great show lined up for you to kick off 2020, and I'll tell you all about it in just a second but first you know what to do by now pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old stanley thermos the green one granddad passed down to you years ago probably still has mud caked on it from the duck seasons past but pour yourself another cup because we are ready to rock and roll and off the top we are going to rock and roll because shane smith of shane smith and the saints will be here in studio one of my favorite singer-songwriters going these days. And Shane and the Guy's sound really is genre-bending. It can't be labeled as Red Dirt. It can't be labeled as Americana. It's truly unique. And I'm certainly looking forward to having him here in studio with his guitar. We'll talk a little hunting and fishing with Shane as well. And then uh, we'll be joined by Go Wild founder, our old friend Brad Luttrell. They just conducted a survey based on the feedback of over a 1,000 hunters, what they found was a lot of misconceptions among ourselves as a hunting community. And we're going to take a look at those, like uh, single guys versus married guys, old-timers versus young hunters, who finds more success, who thinks about hunting more, who spends more money on hunting, all that stuff. Uh, what are the biggest hang-ups when it comes to people saying why they don't hunt more? We'll take a look at all of that stuff with Brad as we analyze the results of that survey. Uh, truly insightful stuff. And I, for one, was surprised by some of the findings. So uh, that is what is on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. A couple other things to mention. Don't forget to send in your best hunting, fishing, or outdoor photo because we've got the 2020 Photo of the Year contest rocking and rolling right now. And we'll announce the winner of the 2019 Photo of the Year contest on the air next week. So if you've sent in a photo for that, well, then uh, keep your fingers crossed because you might be joining me for a trophy axis deer or black buck hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Let's do a quick giveaway to kick off the new year. How about we give away one of my coyote traps? This is a leg hold. I'm looking at it. It's a Minnesota trap line product, MB550. Uh, I had bought some Duke's traps on uh, Amazon. That's right. It's great. You got a coyote problem? You just get on Amazon Prime. Boom. Next day, coyote traps. Show up at the house. It's awesome. But anyway, uh, people said that the Duke's weren't as good. So I went ahead and picked up a couple of these MB550s as well. And we're going to give these a whirl, but I'm going to give one of them away to you guys this week. We'll throw in a Lone Star Outdoors Show First Light Cypher camo cap and a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker. That thing's got some heft to it. Yeah. Coyote ain't getting out of that thing. Tell you what. Uh, so anyway, email the word coyote. That's coyote to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. They're about a, it's about a $30 trap, something like that. Um, but heavy duty. 
should do the job. And uh, I will be posting my traffic updates on social media going forward. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's take a quick break. Shane Smith joins us in studio next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I guess we're all going to be what we're going to be. So what do you do with good old boys like British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 to 7.5-year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a boon or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, they've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. Hey, y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installations. Hey, you need a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that, too. Landscaping updates, makeovers, stone borders, patios, and much more. Serving the North Dallas and surrounding areas, you can find them at jclandscapingllc.com and tell them cable sent you. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Busted and broken on river that I'm smoking. Texas seems so Welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. That's Rance Bay and the Coyotes. Show goes on. The name of that tune there. Thank you guys for being here. Hope everyone had a happy new year. Can't believe it is 2020 already. This is the last weekend for the regular whitetail season here in Texas. If you're still hunting whitetails, maybe you're under MLD or you're in another state. Hope you're finding late season success. Uh, I certainly had to call my Collin County 25-acre lease a failure for this season. I had the one buck, and he was the only shooter. And uh, had one close encounter on November 1st. And he winded me before the sun came up, and that was all she wrote. <laughs> Never got another picture of him again until December 4th. And he certainly uh, wasn't coming around in daylight hours after that experience. So... Educated him real quick. I don't know if I'll renew that lease or not. I like that it was 10 minutes from the house, but hey, you can't kill them if they're not on your property. And when it's only 25 acres, you got the neighbor's dogs on there uh, just about every other day. And then you've got random trespassers walking around checking out your setups. Well, I guess all that adds up. Big bucks don't like that kind of pressure. <sighs> Moving along here. <laughs> We're about to be joined in studio by one of my favorite singer-songwriters. He's got a, a truly unique sound, and I believe uh, one of the best things going right now in country music. But before we pick it up with Shane Smith, this segment brought to you by First Light's Sawbuck Pant. I went quail hunting last weekend, 
And you know, when you're in that environment where everything can poke you, grab you, stick you, bite you, it's nice to have a pair of rugged pants. These are They've got reinforced fronts to keep all that stuff off of your legs. Plus, they've got a very breathable crotch region. You know, you don't want to have that swamp, you know what, going on while you're out there bird hunting. They've also got some flexibility to them, a little give. You can find the Sawbuck as well as First Light's entire lineup at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today. He's here in studio. He's got his guitar with him. It's my pleasure to welcome Shane Smith of Shane Smith and the Saints to the show. Thank you for taking the time, having me. My pleasure. So, uh, Let's get the bus situation squared away first. I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, uh, yeah. reliving that experience, <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's absolutely insane to open up your Instagram and be like, holy crap, their bus just burned down, and they still went and played the show. Yeah. So uh, just caught on fire while you're driving down the road? Yeah, man. The, uh, I mean, something in the engine. I mean, the engines of those buses are in the rear of them, and uh, we, you know, Chase, our bassist, was he was in the back lounge, and... He was asleep back there, and obviously um, that back lounge was just getting flooded with smoke, and he woke up to it mm-hmm. and uh, started yelling, and and everybody, I would, you know, everybody was in, like, bunk alley um, in their bunk beds, like, sleeping, and just started yelling for the driver to pull over, and he pulled over, and then by the time we, like, ran out of the bus, it was like, it's not like there were flames inside. Yeah. Uh, that we could see it was just like there was a ton of smoke coming from the rear of the bus and to to the extent that it was like you, you know we were too freaked out to run back in and try to get any of our stuff because it, we could see once we walked like stepped back a little ways we could see like okay yeah there's for sure a fire in the engine and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is going to like catch a fuel line and all of a sudden Blow it's going to be die hard yeah. six or something. You know what oh I mean? Like, and, and I mean, I was raised an American boy, right? Mm. I'm ready for any vehicle to just <laughs> right. explode when there's, when there's fire anywhere uh-huh. or like a cigarette dropped like 10 feet away. Right? right. But, um, so we all just, we were all standing there like, what the hell do we do? And, and, uh, we're, we're five miles north of, Coleman, Texas, which is essentially the middle of nowhere. And, yeah. and, uh, by the time we had pulled over, um, there was already a farmer and his wife had pulled over. <laughs> like they pulled over simultaneously with us, you know, it's like yeah. the best people ever in those rural yeah. situations. And, and, uh, when we ran up to him, he was like, I've already called the fire department boys. Like, <laughs> I was like, I right, thank you. Appreciate it. And so to me, the whole time I was like, okay, this is going to get, you know, is going to get put out like yeah. in the next 20 minutes, you know, like fire department will show up in you know, five, 10 minutes because. But it's got a volunteer fire department. Well, I didn't or, think that through, you know, right. I just knew that we had gone through Coleman and yeah. I didn't really think through like, wait, do they have a fire department? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, okay, we're five miles outside of town. And anyway, man, it was, uh, it was just, it was just tough because it was, I mean, it was about, I think, like 35 minutes or so before anybody yeah. got out there to to be able to do anything. And it's not their fault. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. I, I appreciate so much, you know, the volunteer fire department. And, you know, it's like they got to leave their jobs. They got to go, you know, they got to mm-hmm. do all kinds of stuff to, to go and answer to the call. And uh, so it's nobody's fault. It just but you're was what your it was. You know, we're just sitting there watching it. Existence you know? just 
God. Exactly. Man. And same thing with the trailer. It's like, so the bus had caught we been, the trailer on fire. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And literally like everything burned everything. You, and so this is that guitar in here is not, that's a new guitar. That's not even my guitar. Gibson <laughs> is lending me that guitar. Oh my God. Shout dude. out to Gibson yeah. and Martin and Fender and LR bags. All these people have just reached out and have been throwing stuff at us just to get us by, you know? I mean, did y'all have, I, I was reading in the news story, like y'all didn't even have like shoes to go play the show. Some of you. No, Dustin was in his boxers, but Dustin, our lead player was literally out in the middle of, you know, country <laughs> and it's like misting rain kind of like you know it was like wanting to rain but wouldn't right you know and the whole time i'm just like please rain please rain you know it's like not that it's gonna do anything but yeah. you know obviously i i was begging at that point but uh, my god uh, dustin was out there barefoot in his in his boxers had just woken up i mean had like sleep hair you know what yeah. i mean like his hair's all over the place and and uh people were legitimately just like giving us sweaters giving us a pair of Crocs that they had in the back of their truck, giving us anything just to get some clothes on the guys. And, and we, um, go, go look at the picture of this, uh, on Shane's on the, on the Instagram. It's, yeah. It's uh, pretty, uh, it's incredible. Uh, luckily though, everyone was okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like for my sure. parents always, you know, when I wrecked my first vehicle. They're like, all that matters is you're okay. You know, totally. all the material things it sucks, but you know, you can, they can be replaced. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make it any really easier, but, uh, <laughs> but so you guys still went and played the show in Lubbock that night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd pretty much, I, I, I mean, I told the guys, and I mean, I just was like, no, we're, not, I don't want to cancel. Let's mm -hmm. just, we need to go and do this, and it's like therapeutic. Almost. Got a little bit of feet, yeah. you know, pushback on some of them, but it was just like, what the hell are we gonna do? Right. What like what the hell are we gonna do to go? make anything better right now mm -hmm. other than go get to work you know like try to get paid try to well we gotta i'm a I, I knew i knew for me at least not for the rest of the guys i knew for me i was gonna be on the hook for tons of money you know mm -hmm. like i was gonna have to make back a lot to yeah. to start to buy things back and everything and i mean you know how insurance goes and all that it's uh -huh. like you know we found out that or the insurance policy we had was like a line item, like policy that anything that's not on that line item list is not covered. And I bet 65% of our gear was not on that list. And I bet it is now, you know, and, and it's all the stuff that's like expensive, like stuff that we had yeah. just invested in as a band. You know, I just thought we had like an umbrella policy and that's ignorant of me, you know, especially as a business owner, I should know better, you know, but like, <laughs> Live I and just, learn. yeah, you live and learn, yeah. I guess. But, yeah. anyways, I so at that point I knew, like, man, I just we gotta we gotta get back out there, and I, and I also just for the principle of it, it's like I, I wanted to just kind of make a point of like, you know, we've we've been to hell and back as a band. Like, I mean, yeah. we've gone through so much crap. Our our lead player, our 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 drummers almost died from a rattlesnake bite, and our our basis almost died from a motorcycle accident like there's been all this stuff we've had so many problems with vehicles like ask any fan of ours that like knows us about our vehicle luck and our trailer luck and our gear luck we've had stuff stolen i mean mm. everything in the world has happened to us and then, <laughs> and then our bus catches on fire <laughs> with all of our shit in it and uh you know it's just completely gone 
And so uh, at that point, <laughs> it was almost like we were looking at each other by the end of it, like, you know, fire is shooting through the window units, like through the ceiling, 10 feet up above the bus, you know, making sound. It's blowing through there so loud. And we're just looking at each other, like, almost just like with a disbelief, like, smile on our face of like what the hell is going on right now and um it just on it was just unbelievable truly i mean just watching it happen and and so yeah we went and i called my buddy uh jr in lubbock who's now radio dj up there and we called the venue and we were like look we're not going to get there till late but we're playing the show and tell the opening band we need to borrow their all their gear, and, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, Charlie Stout had lend me a J forty five guitar and opening band. Uh, Ox Martin, who's a super super cool kid, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his band uh, they lent us all their gear, and we played that show. And then the next night, we were playing with my buddy Josh Weathers. Uh, told him same thing: we got to borrow all your stuff. It's in Oklahoma City. Um. So we showed up there, borrowed all that gear, played mm-hmm. the show, uh, called my buddy Co Wetzel. We were playing with him the next night in Wichita, Kansas. Showed up there. They had all <laughs> their stuff laid out for us. Yeah. Yo-Yo, their sound engineer, was already had ear mixes for our in-ears ready to uh-huh. go. And that was the one thing we all got was our in-ears, you know, like our mm-hmm. in-ear monitors, molds. Uh, all of us had them on us somehow miraculously like wow. we we were able to get or we didn't have them on us we had them in a road case that was in the fire that was such a big road case it like didn't they didn't melt they didn't wow. like burn up mm. but like everything else had burned because they were in a drawer inside the case mm. and um they had all kinds of like smoke damage on the cases but Currently, uh, you're in Corey Morrow's bus. Yeah, Corey Morrow's <laughs> letting us use his bus, letting us lease it. Uh, and yeah. and um, it's been amazing, man. Like, so many people have been so nice and just tried to lend a hand. I've, I'm not one for, like, like, you know, doing GoFundMes or anything like that. A lot of our guys and fans and everybody have been asking us like where's the gofundme and i was like there's not one (laughs) i just i don't know like i just feel like there's so much more serious stuff going on that people could throw their money at than a band you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and um you know people have cancer people have kids dying i mean there's 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 a lot Mm -hmm. that money could go toward aside from a new j45 and um so i've just kind of kept my head down with it and tried to just play the shows and get through them and and uh anyways it's been it's been super interesting but um oh. I, I think it's all going to work out and i know that like we've had fans like start their own gofundmes for us cuz it just pissed <laughs> them off that we weren't doing one and they were like no absolutely not <laughs> like we can't see this happen and uh-huh. i've seen like 3 of them floating around and wow. turnpike troubadours fan base like there was some instagram account it was like a turnpike troubadours fan base and they started a a fundraiser and there's got to be a song sent us like a couple thousand dollars and, you know? <laughs> oh for sure man it's like uh, yeah. yeah the ring of fire <laughs> right right but uh, uh anyways it's it's been uh amazing to see how nice everybody's been with it and yeah it's just and time marches on so right it'll be all right well so the uh, latest record hail mary 
What uh, what separates that from Geronimo and Coast? And and you and I talked a lot about this off the air. Is like your sound is not really defined by Red Dirt, and it's not really defined by Americana. So you kind of ride that that fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, man, the difference the difference between Geronimo and Hail Mary was kind of the same difference between Coast and Geronimo. Mm-hmm. It was years of touring, and uh, but what made Hail Mary different is it was literally like four and a half straight years of us touring and mm-hmm. playing shows. And when you do that, you find your sound. I mean, you, whether you want to or not, I mean, you develop all kinds of new things. You get bored of what you're doing, and you start evolving and changing and doing different stuff and listening to different stuff. And, uh, you know... Each record is kind of a, you know, it's almost like defined as like, yeah, it is a record for 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 the history books or for the record books. You know, it's like this is a fingerprint of where that band is currently. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean like that's just their identity forever. You know, it's sure. just it's kind of like on record. Here's mm-hmm. here's our current record. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and that's the way I kind of see it. There's a guy named Steve Collins that did a, an early, 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 uh, recording session with us for the, uh, for coast, like before it was the album coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he said that one time and it just kind of stuck with me. And, and, uh, anyway, so it, it was honestly just touring, uh, for four years and playing shows, playing festivals, being in front of a lot of people and wanting to win people over and wanting to win audiences over, through a live show. And mm-hmm. so by doing that, you end up writing songs. I feel like around that. And, uh, this record was also Hill Mary was also our first time to ever work with like a big producer, um, that had notoriety. And, and, uh, it was a guy named Mark Needham out of Los Angeles, who was like more of like a rock indie rock pop producer. Mm-hmm. He's like the reason for like, a lot of the killers, uh, success and like, uh, imagine dragons and, uh, all the way to Chris Isaac mm. and like Taj Mahal members of Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Um, I mean, everyone he's worked with everybody, Dolly Parton, very diverse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's just such a cool dude. Um, but he pushed us big time to try to capture the live sound. And I mean, we, we were playing pretty much everything on that album live in, in the studio with, bleed and vocal mics and everything so mm-hmm. it was a really it was a neat neat process kind of stressful but <laughs> right it's cool well let's uh let's take a listen to uh to tune off of the new record okay yeah let's do it yeah this was actually written uh me and uh bennett our fiddle player bennett he's kind of the guy that i started uh everything with and uh he and i had the opportunity to go play a like a festival pub crawl type thing over in Ireland years ago and uh, started uh, writing this song actually when uh, when I'd just come back from, from that, that whole deal. But it's called Little Bird. Cool. And it's on the new record.
Perry County had a mind of its own. There was a storm in the sea with a name. We laughed till we yelled as we ran to the pubs, as if somehow we could stop the rain. You were hard to find a different kind I'd never knew. There's a thousand ways that I could say how much I loved you. But I lost the words. You flew off like a little bird. So head east Outside the city As you know my love It runs deep in those parts You came here to say you were living But babe I'd say it's living That got you this far As you were hard to find A different kind I'd never knew There's a thousand ways That I could say How much I loved you But I lost the words And I still hear your songs You little bird As long as people sing songs And stories live on And ours had highs and lows but it's real and I'll be right here while you look for answers alone go find the life that you made in your mind till the truth will probably find a ditch on the road to Damascus babe I'd be lying to say I'll be Love that tune. Absolutely love the new record as well. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll keep the tunes rolling and, and talk a little outdoors as well. Cool. Cool, cool. All right. And that segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land, it's the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. Whether that's for hunting, fishing, recreating, 
maybe you fancy yourself as a rancher or you just want to get the hell out of the big city, if you're ready to take that plunge and make that dream a reality, then give Lone Star Ag Credit a call. They've been helping folks finance their own slice of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. Head over to LoneStarAgCredit.com for more info. We'll be right back with more from Shane Smith. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Still doing time in a honky-tonk prison. Still doing time where a man ain't forgiven. I put hard brick Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Live Oak Outdoors offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Central Flyway. Hunting over 2,000 acres of cut rice along the coast that attracts wintering geese by the tens of thousands. Hunts take place out of layout blinds or white parkas over a spread of 1,500 decoys. It's also common to shoot pintail and other puddle ducks in the goose spread. Professional guides make sure you have a safe and memorable hunt of a lifetime. They're based out of El Campo, Texas. Check them out at liveoakoutdoors.com or you can book your hunt by calling Chris Slimp at 832-466-9646. Shane Smith and the Saints Runaway Train bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you today. Thanks so much for being here. We've still got Shane Smith here in studio with us today and we're going to get back into that conversation hear some more tunes momentarily but before we do that uh, thanks to dallas safari club our title sponsor and also thanks to pulsar thermal and night vision optics for bringing you this segment by the way if you haven't seen the pulsar axiom thermal monocular you need to check it out don't let the diminutive size fool you it's still got all the great features that you've come to know and love from pulsar you can find it as well as their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics at pulsarnv.com all right with that being said let's pick it back up with our good friend shane smith frontman of shane smith and the saints thanks for sticking around brother absolutely uh, so a little bit about yourself. Where are you from originally? Uh, so I was born in Terrell, Texas, and I moved to Kaufman, Texas in the seventh grade. Okay. So about 15 minutes away. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm very familiar with the area of uh, duck hunted and, and done a lot of hog hunting in Wills Point, which yeah. is just a stone's throw away for from sure. There, so. Um, For sure. A buddy of mine, Wynn Breeden, does a ton of hog hunting out there. There's in, a lot of them. In that area. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. A, lot of, uh, a lot of wood ducks and mallards, too, you know, start getting yeah. a little farther east. Man, um, that's out of my world, though. I've, like, never hunted any kind of fowl at all. Like, I've never really? been a bird hunter at all. Yeah. yeah. I would love to. I sure. just, I just haven't. Uh-huh. So, did you grow up hunting or fishing? or? Yeah, I, I grew up fishing um, with my cousins out in... Athens that's mm-hmm. where like my mama and papa lived and uh so we'd always go go over there on weekends and and uh that was like our outdoors 
kind of release uh-huh. up until the seventh grade when we moved to Kaufman and we were out in the country and right. But before that, we were in Terrell, like kind of in the middle of town, and uh-huh. and uh, that was that outdoors escape for us was going to Athens, Texas, yeah, and um, to the hill is what we called it, and um, got to you know catfish a lot, fish for bass, perch, and uh-huh. all that, and um, and uh, didn't didn't get into hunting much until I guess freshman year of college probably uh-huh. i like would hog hunt some with my buddy that i mentioned earlier yeah. and uh my brothers and and they they do like the whole like you know dog hunts have you gone on stuff. one of those yeah 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 <laughs> have you I've, actually I've stuck one you have? yeah i've stuck one but that's the only time i've done it it's awesome isn't yeah it? it's it's pretty crazy yeah. i mean yeah uh because i look at musicians sometimes they're afraid like your fingers are your livelihood you got to be able you know like just yeah, that well, kind of stuff is like i'm also an idiot or like so. noodling you know <laughs> stick your hand yeah. there come back missing a finger from a snapping turtle yeah you know, it's uh but so you have stuck a hog that's awesome no yeah for sure the noodling dude i don't think i could get down on noodling i i, I did it for the first time this summer and it was a lot more hardcore than i had anticipated it, like the catfish literally so I didn't get it the first time. And then I came back up and these these guys are laughing at me, the guys that took me. They're like, you got bit, you son of a bitch. And I'm like, holy moly, I'm looking at my arm. There's already like a rash of blood. And yeah. And then- so, From a catfish? Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was like a 47 pound uh, flathead. What in so the So they were like, you left your man card down there. You better go get it. <laughs> so, oh, of course. Yeah. Just milking yeah. it. So I ended up, they, <laughs> we got four and they made me catch all of them. It was like, like hazing me is what they were doing. Yeah. But dude, I can't like- like the whole snapping turtle thing mm. and like water moccasins or like, I just can't uh, but help to yeah. think like how bad that would go, you know? And the worst part I'm was freaked out by snakes. I do like not like the, snakes uh, and snapping turtles. I don't care for the snakes either. Uh, but the worst part was, so they have like little tiny, like thousands of little tiny teeth, right? Yeah. And they're not even visible, but their mouth so rough. So they cut your arm all up and you don't see it till the next day. And it's like, you got road rash. So like for two weeks, then your arm is sticking to the pillow where you're trying to sleep. Oh, and it's that's really gross. gross and it's dude. just like, it was, no, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, I, I support people, you know, go do it. I'll watch the, the Instagram videos or whatever, yeah. but you know, more power to you, but just, I don't think it's in the cards <laughs> for this guy. Well, so what is your favorite thing to hunt these days when you do have time? Which, when, when I, when I have time, I like to, I mean, Pretty much go. I'd like. I like to go hog hunting. That's mm-hmm. the thing, though. It's like I just never. I never get a you, chance. You mus- to. musicians always get invited, but it's like you get invited on the weekends, Dude, right? Yeah, and, and like, like I've got buddies that would probably kill to be in my position, like with the invites and stuff uh-huh. that we get, and I just don't get a chance. Like, yeah. And uh, we were just with uh, Co Wetzel, uh-huh. and all his dudes are buddies with those guys, and I was just telling him, like, man, we gotta. Like I gotta make it a point to go, just because it's like I haven't, I haven't been in such a long time, and and uh, he recently shot a buffalo, and I was like, you gotta be <laughs> kidding me, dude! That's like the coolest thing in the uh, world. If there's anything that I could like hunt, it would probably be that. Yeah, and uh, and like make like a buffalo like fur coat and have like Ooh, a thousand pounds awesome. of bison meat. Like mm-hmm. I just can't imagine how amazing that would be. Like, oh yeah, to harvest yeah. one of those dudes. Yeah, but so, I don't know. I I've. I've shot whitetail before. I've never shot an axis. I've really wanted to get axis meat. And, uh-huh. uh, 
Yeah. And I just haven't gotten and you're, to. Now you live in Austin, and, and there's free range and, and high, you know, high fence access all over in your neck of the woods. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, For sure. And it's delicious. So. It, yeah, I know it. I know <laughs> it, man. I had it like twice. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I got to, I got to make this happen. So what is your favorite hunting or fishing experience? Favorite hunting or fishing experience? Um, honestly, probably probably hog hunting with uh, with Wynn and mm-hmm. uh, my brothers and all them yeah. in, in Kaufman County. Yeah. Just because, like, that's such a wild thing. When you're outside of that world and you don't know about the dogs, you don't know about the bay dogs, the catch dogs, uh-huh. you don't know about, you don't know what a catahoula Someone is. Someone hands like, you a Bowie knife and it's like, here. Yeah, it's like, and, and all of a sudden you're getting handed a, yeah, Bowie knife and, like, go stick it behind the shoulder. You're like, I've what? What are you talking about, dude? And uh, anyways, that that's just, like, uh-huh. I mean, it's wild. And, and I, you know, I don't even, I don't even know how, much of a fan I am of the whole like stabbing of a pig, but it's just crazy. You know yeah. I mean? It's kind of like the gang of game of Kings, you know, like this is something like in medieval mm-hmm. times that they would go and do, you know? And, oh, yeah. and, uh, at least from what I've understood, I mean, it goes back like oh, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years, yeah. right? Like with the whole catch do- bay dogs and mm-hmm. catch dogs and all that. And so it's crazy. Cool. You know, it, I'm a history dude. And uh-huh. I, I think that's awesome. That whole element to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't name like an exact time of of one of those, but like, I've had I've had a lot of fun going and doing that with them. Yeah, and uh, well, and, and the thing about that is that, and I like sometimes uh, I like a lot the the hunting um, the style of hunting where you don't have to be quiet, and you're not waiting to like ambush a deer, right? And like dove hunting or mm-hmm. hog dogging, you know, you're walking around with your buddies, you don't have to be quiet, you're cutting up, and then yeah, for sure, all of a sudden you hear the the bay, the bay dogs go off, and you're like. Let's right. go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Love that. No, it's it's uh it's absolutely crazy to also to see those dogs get flung for the first time mm-hmm. and see like I mean, those dogs like live for it. I think a lot of people are freaked out by the fact that the dogs get cut and get killed, honestly, yeah. like all oh, the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get why that would freak people out, but at the same time it's like when you're around it and when you like get to experience it or whatever, like those dogs are like living for it. I'm talking like if it's unreal, I've never seen an animal more excited to go do something than a bunch of bay dogs and catch dogs that whenever, when, or them would pull up in a truck, all of a sudden these dogs are losing their minds. Like, you know, and they're getting, getting the tracking collars on their neck and they're Uh like, you know, (laughs) licking his arm and just freaking out excited. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, uh, but yeah, the first time I saw like one of those dogs just get tossed and have a big old cut and all that stuff, it was like, whoa! Most of those guys carry like a staple gun around and yeah, have, no. uh, you know they have penicillin like on hand. Oh yeah, then. it's they like they'll have a penicillin. Staple them up, give them some penicillin. Yeah, they'll, they'll be ready in a week. Penicillin, <laughs> penicillin, and and uh, syringes. And uh, one time I saw uh, fishing uh, fishing string get pulled out and stitches run with mm. that i mean it's oh, crazy yeah. it's it's like so bizarre <laughs> and um but i don't know man yeah. all, all i have to say of the, is like even when the dogs get hit it's like they're like right there trying to get back in the game and uh-huh. you know it's uh it's something else yeah it's a big rush well so um let's do this let's uh 
let's take a listen to an older tune. Uh, yep. This is the first song of yours that I ever heard. It's called Coast, and it's off the first record. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Filled maze and a barefoot boy on a jetty plank as he walks to the Gulf. And a light out shining out to the sea. The shrimpers staring in disbelief at the mermaid saying he's gotta believe that a light will take him home. And by the Mississippi River, there's a southbound train that's headed for the Gulf. Gonna buy my ticket, hold it tight till I know I'm getting close. See me running down the alley, been looking for the jelly, searching for my soul. You know, oh, I'm headed for. Trying to run their lives Too many rich folks To change their mind I'm tired of the hustle Get out of the bustle Every time I see the light Tell me baby You feel my soul I'm rolling with the rhythm Cruise control I got three chords And I speak the truth to Willie Nelson That's a country song By the Mississippi River It's a southbound train it's headed for the gold Gonna buy my ticket And hold it tight Till I know I'm getting close See me running down the alleyway Looking for the jet Searching for my soul You know Oh, I'm headed for
Yeah, buddy. Love it, brother. Hey, uh, let's do this, Shane. Let's keep the tunes rolling. Something uh, off of the second record, Geronimo. This one's personal request by me. It's probably my favorite tune of yours. How about What a Shame? Yeah, off the Geronimo record. And that's just kind of singing about the whole grind of the musician thing and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, you know, from blowouts to bar fights (laughs) to bail bonds to, you know, (laughs) it's a pretty it's a pretty sloppy business um but uh it's it's also super rewarding and it's kind of just about about all of that if my life rode on a ship I've chased down some hurricanes But we had stories once Those howling winds had passed And if I wanted my whole life To be laid out in black and white I'd have turned my weathered sails Some time ago But I stayed steady on that stream River rocks and gasoline Bumping curbs on every turn That we would make And the friends we've made And lovers past Bell bond loans and Sunday mass They have opened up A newer life to me Well, what a shame A crying shame Nine to five, yeah, it's all the same. But you won't take those wasted hours to your grave. And as I watch my hourglass, grains of sand, they're like days of past. Brace the storm, this is your love, your life, your task. How much money meets your desire And how much heat can you take For you feel the fire I don't think it's worth the pain But who am I to say Because I feel like every other day I sing another sad song About living free I lose another little piece Of the puzzle that got me Another roadhouse fight cast down by sin And another blowout ten miles from town again Another sold-out night, but it makes it worth the fight And the life I want to live Find a love and a lullaby Sing loud till they turn out your very last light When you're gone, what do you have But the songs you sang they know if they can hold me back I can't change my ways Once I felt like that Find love and a life worth remembering What a shame, a crying shame Nine to five, it's all the same 
you won't take those wasted hours to your grave and oh good God don't rest my soul and let myself fall to a fold cause I'm still running and racing wishing on a falling star As I watch my hourglass Grains of sand, they're like days of past Brace the storm, this is your love Your life, your task All right, awesome stuff. What a shame. Uh, that's my favorite from your catalog right now, Shane. Shifting gears here, though, as we are about to wrap things up, almost out of time. Um bucket list hunt Shane something out there that you haven't had the chance to hunt yet uh, other than an axis deer but that you really want to what would that be bucket list hunt I honestly after seeing <laughs> after looking through Coe's phone I would say a buffalo, <laughs> buffalo? Right at this point yeah <laughs> right a huge buffalo I right mean on. that would just be so awesome uh, be like going back in time thoughts on veganism man I don't everybody I'm trying do, to draw you offside too everybody <laughs> everybody can do their thing I'm not uh -huh. you know I'm, this is the, the PC. I'm answer, a fan yeah. of a lot of different types of people, and and uh, I just, you know, everybody's different, and everybody, mm -hmm. uh, it, if some people feel like they, uh, Why as they have a principal, want to tell you about it though eight times in a minute. Man, that's the thing. I, I'm definitely <laughs> not a fan of people just like uh, meat is just murder. Con well, I I have a hard time with people that are constantly like throwing their opinions at people right. and stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. Uh, I'm cool know. with vegans. Just don't tell me once and then we'll, yeah, for yeah, sure. And, uh, I think, uh, and to me, it's like, I'm not like, to be clear, like I'm not a fan of like going out and just killing, you know, killing animal. Like I, I love the concept of like conservation efforts. Mm -hmm. I love the concept of, uh, like harvesting for any, you know, whether that be meat, whether that be, you know, whatever garden on mm -hmm. your own, like, you know, being able to sustain and survive on your own. And I'm a fan of that. And I think that, uh, if people see it through that lens, they might get it a little more mm -hmm. for people that are like, you know, truly have like a hard time with it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, do you own any guns yourself? Yeah. What, yeah. uh, what do you have? I've got a model 700 270 and, uh, the classic Texas deer caliber. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That was my first, uh, deer rifle. Um, I've got, I actually just bought my wife a uh, one of those Remington. It's like a 14 inch, or not in total, but it's one of those like Remington uh, 12 gauge pump mm. shotguns, just uh -huh. like for home defense. Sure. So don't come rob my house. <laughs> yeah. You, you dirt bags. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she calls it Don Wapo. Right. Uh, Mister <laughs> Handsome, and uh. Uh, we've got that and couple uh, little pistols and yeah i think that's it right on you got all your bases covered there kentucky bourbon or tennessee whiskey kentucky bourbon 
my man. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and I want to like the Texas bourbons, but to me, there's just they got a long way to go. They're not aged long enough. And Man, we're making progress, right? But we've worked with two two companies in Texas, and uh, it was uh, Rebecca Creek Whiskey. Mm-hmm. We were with them for a while as a sponsor, and um, and uh, Ben Milam, uh, mm-hmm. which has just shifted uh, over to Milam and Milam and Green mm-hmm. is the name of it now. And I highly recommend both of those. Yeah. I mean, like for real, like. The uh, Rebecca Creek, like I can't tell you how many times I'll just like pour that on ice and just let it roll. You right. know, I mean, like I I can drink that all day. Same thing with Ben Milam. I just tried a new a new batch of this whole you know Milam and Green stuff, mm-hmm. and I seriously think it's some of the best whiskey I've ever had in my life. Like the best bourbon. I'll have to I've give that had. one a shot. I like it's uh, incredible. I like the small batch uh, Kentucky bourbons, like just put like you said yeah. on ice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, man, we're about we're about out of time here. Uh, I was gonna say if you had a GoFundMe, but you said people have other stuff to worry about. Man, so. honestly, just if people Come are to wanting shows. to, yeah, if people are wanting to support us, just just go to the shows and and uh, and buy a bunch of merch and and um, and uh, there are GoFundMe's floating around there that. Uh, our fans have put together if they want to throw money at that, you know, but we truly do appreciate it. I just, you know, out of principle, I just personally don't want to ask people for a bunch of money. Well, uh, website, social media, uh, at Shane Smith music, um, is pretty much everything. That's our Instagram handle our uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, one and our website is shanesmusic.com. But one thing um, that I highly recommend is, and and it helps us so much mm-hmm. uh, as an independent band, uh, download the app. And I promise you, I don't get paid anything uh, for saying this, but there's an app called Bands in Town. Okay. And uh, if if people will emails. go yeah. and download that app, you can track us, quote unquote, track uh, um, on on that app. You can look up Shane Smith and the Saints and click track or whatever it is. And you can set it to notify you even if we're within a hundred miles of your town, whatever. And I can't tell you how beneficial that is for us because like when we go into these markets out of state markets, it's like, it's so hard to get to be heard Mm -hmm. on social media to a lot of people. You have to spend a lot of money to get your post in front of people you know, on promoting shows, you really do. And, uh, and it's such a competitive thing now where as it was, it started off as being like just free advertising. Well, it's like, yeah, well Mm, it's free advertising for like the three people that will actually see it unless Uh you're putting money behind it, you know, on, on a lot of them. And, uh, anyways, so tracking us on bands in town, it just helps a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, obviously on Spotify, all that stuff, it, it helps if you actually click follow Mm -hmm. and, uh, Little little stuff like that, awesome. YouTube, all that. Well, brother, thanks for dropping by. I uh, hope that yeah. uh, 2020 is a, is a banner year for you guys and uh, the hardships of 2019 are in the rearview mirror. <laughs> That's right. Well, they, they are so far. So, I mean, we're just going to keep running from it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Shane. Yeah, thank you. So there he goes, Shane Smith of Shane Smith and the Saints. That segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders, 600-pound stand and fill, No more ladders, no more backing your truck up next to the feeder to fill it. It's so easy. You just stand there and fill it. The hogs can't knock it over. The deer love it. Check it out. It's the 600-pound stand and fill. You can find it 
at allseasonsfeeders.com. Up next, a recent survey conducted by Go Wild shed some lights on common misconceptions within our own hunting community. We discuss with Brad Luttrell right here on the Lone Star Outdoors show. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around. Hey guys, Cable here, and uh, I want to tell you about outdoor access. See, access is the one thing I hear hunters complaining about the most. They don't have a place to hunt, but they want to, right? Well, outdoor access is the solution to that problem. Think Uber, but for hunters. It's a membership based program. It's only $9 a month, but it gives you access to a list of properties for uh, hunting whatever you want. You want to hunt deer one weekend? Great. You want to hunt ducks on another property the next? Fine. Turkey on another? You have dozens to choose from, and it's a lot less expensive than paying for a traditional 52-week lease. So if you're interested in basically what I call Uber for the outdoorsman, use the activation code Lone Star at checkout. Just go to OutdoorAccess.com, that's OutdoorAccess.com, and use my promo code LONESTAR for 30% off your membership. That's OutdoorAccess.com. Hey, Andy, I can visualize you standing on the corner of Mayberry Drive in your black and white. Greenlight Pistol. Hey, Andy, the name of that one. Cable Smith here. Welcome, everybody, back to the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors as well, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Thanks again to each and every one of you for ringing in the new year with me on today's broadcast. It is a treat to be here talking outdoors with you. We're about to take a look at some interesting results from a recent survey conducted by Go Wild and founder Brad Luttrell will be here um, to break that survey down for us. But before we do so, this segment of the presentation is proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. I'm heading back to Africa, South Africa, uh, the Eastern Cape there this summer and going again in 2021. I think we've got two spots open for this summer's trip. I think the date's July 25th through August 2nd, I believe. Two spots open for that one, and then 2021 is wide open. If you're interested in joining me on your first or second or 10th African safari, I'd love to have you. Shoot me an email, lonestaroutdoorsshow at gmail.com. Now, Without further ado, let's bring on our next guest. He is a longtime friend of the show. I'm a big fan of the Go Wild app, a great platform made up of hunters and anglers just like you and I, without all the hate that you find on regular old social media platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome Go Wild's Brad Luttrell back to the show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. So hopefully uh, you had a Wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year, all that. You didn't uh, get too hungover there. Can't say no, on the man, air whether I, I, I did or my didn't. Kids... <laughs> no comment, right? <laughs> no, man, my kids are uh, like prime Christmas age, so it, it literally was the best Christmas I've ever had. It, just watching them enjoy all the all the family time and the gifts and everything, it, it was awesome. Oh, that's funny. Uh, my, my son, is he just turned seven, 
he got a basketball goal. And I didn't know my wife did this, but we're sitting around uh, Christmas dinner, and she starts passing her phone around. I'm like, what are you, what are you showing everybody? And it gets to me, and it's a video of me with my shirt off dunking on his basketball goal. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was like at eight I feet because I, I've never even touched the rim on a 10-foot goal, but – uh, yeah. yeah, that's going to be a gift somewhere if it falls into the wrong hands. <laughs> yeah, luckily she does. She doesn't uh, do social media like I do, so I think we're safe on that front. Yeah, uh, that's funny, man. Yeah. What about your hunting season, though? What was the highlight? Uh, dude, that's uh, a highlight. Was a night that I actually didn't get anything, uh, but I had this. I had been chasing this ten point buck, and I had a crazy. It was the last day of bow season before gun opened up, and. I was in my tree stand, and the 10-point buck was behind me on the other property line. And right. I, I heard all this uh, snorting and wheezing going on. I turned around. I'm like, oh, my God, that's him. And uh, this is a long story that I'll, I'll try to make as short as possible. So I grunted at him to try to pull him to my property line. He ran down the hill, and my grunt pulled in another uh, big 8-point come running down the hill on my other side. And he was you know, right out of range, or I would have been happy to take that deer. Um, but they go both over into this, uh, ravine that I can't see anymore. And I hear all kinds of noise going on. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. They're going to come back out here and fight. Um, and uh. then about 20 minutes after that, where those two deer were, I look up in a cornfield at the other neighbor's property. I'm kind of hunting this like little triangle of properties. And there is literally the biggest deer I've ever seen while at least hunting. I thought it was a cow dude. where <laughs> it was like such a big buck coming through and he was dogging a doe. And I, I could see I, what looked like 14 points on this deer and oh, just man. this massive, like, you know, when you see them, like, in, in that stereotypical swole up, like, you know, this, like, almost can see the steam coming out of their nose, kind of a picturesque moment. Oh, it yeah. was that. So all of those deer go over into the same spot and the sun sets. And I'm like, this, and, you know, there's a little bit of cool, other cool stuff that happened in between. But I'm thinking, like, I'm coming back out here in the morning for gun season. One of those three shooter bucks is going to be around here. Well, so it was a very exciting day. And uh, I even busted um, two coyotes sneaking up on some does on my way out, which was a really cool experience, too. Um, but then the next day I came out to this private lot that I had permission to hunt on only me. It's, it's not that big of a lot, uh, 70 acres. And there was somebody in my spot and they had driven up and, uh, into the middle of the property, about a hundred yards from where those bucks were the night before and parked their truck. And then they, they walked the half, it's normally a mile walk. So they cut the distance and did half a mile. And, uh, there was a miscommunication on the, who was allowed to be there that day. And I had the right to be there that they had gotten their times wrong. And so I, I asked them to leave and they did. They were very cool about it. But I was like, man, mm. there's no way that like, it, those deer had to have gotten flushed. Oh yeah. I'm driving a truck in here. So I, I, I saw, I had one other decent buck come through this season that I passed on and I have not had an opportunity like that night since. I did take a doe, um, so I've got some meat in the freezer. I'm hoping – I was just telling you how busy my trade show season is about to pick up. I'm still hoping to get out. Uh, we've got, you know, 30 more days here in Kentucky, but I'm not sure – I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pull it together here. And <laughs> the end. Uh, we'll see what I can do. But I had such a good time watching. Like, that was just crazy to see, like, such big mature deer on this. I've never seen a deer like that on, on the couple years I've been hunting this property. So it's very exciting for me coming into next year. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, well, hey, let's, uh, let's discuss this study. You sent me a link to it a couple of weeks ago, and I took a look at it, and I was like, man, this is a pretty interesting. 
So give us an overview of the study and, and also the background, like wh why did Go Wild say, hey, we need to look into this stuff? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question too. You know, we've, um, you know, we're a social media app for hunters and anglers. So we've been, well, there's a lot of things we can tell about behavior, about like the kind of content people post in. And you use the app, I saw you post it today. So, you know, if you post into deer hunting, we can track activity in deer hunting. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to learn about what people like. And we were getting the feeling that, that there were some misconceptions about hunters. So there's so little data about hunters out there. It's really mind boggling. I mean, if you want to research running and fitness, you can find tons of studies, but hunters and anglers generate three times the economic impact, right? I mean, right. it's crazy how much money we generate, but there's so little understanding of the sportsman. So we have this entire, you know, lifestyle that's undocumented and this industry, you know, we, we work with a lot of companies. So from the industry side, it was interesting to us. A lot of these brands are making assumptions uh, on empirical knowledge or, or knowledge they've acquired over time. So, or, or really, in other words, they're kind of making this up as they go. Mm -hmm. So, so we had a couple of hypotheses with this study. So the the first was that you know many of the stereotypes within hunters are just wrong, just by what we were kind of seeing. It's, we we were starting to see some surprising things that seemed to buck the trend, and I'll get into more on that in a second. But the the second theory was that many of the industry's actions were actually based on incorrect assumptions, um, or or at, you know, at the very least, they're negatively impacting hunting because we're essentially creating a perception that hunting is hard, hunting is really expensive, hunting is inaccessible. So the way brands are marketing and the way we're talking about hunting as an industry is making it feel less accessible to the hunter. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so our first hypothesis, uh, you know, that stereotypes are wrong. So a couple of those, you know, you, you've talked about a lot of these on your show. That I think you and I may have talked about them on one of our previous episodes. You know, one thing that you hear all the time from the anti-hunters is, you know, hunters are all trophy hunters. They don't hunt for the meat. Uh, that's, that's a common one. But what, what other ones, if you start to think about it, are out there? You know, married hunters leave their angry spouse behind for an entire season or they hunt less. You know, well, she usually only gets angry a couple times a season. But it's not, <laughs> she's not constantly angry. <laughs> Yeah, so, so statistically, uh, we, we found some interesting stuff on that, which I'll get into in a second. Uh -huh. uh, then, then there's the other perception that's really, you know, the last five years has come about is that, you know, if you're on social media, you can start to get this perception, especially with like an Instagram or YouTube, that young hunters or young hunting influencers have an image of success, right? They, they share a lot of these successful feeling stories. And with this, it, it seems like you connect the dots. It's like, okay, sure, they don't have a spouse. they got more time. There's seemingly endless content that they're sharing. They spend a lot of time in the woods. That This generation is quite literally killing it, right? You get this vibe uh, of that's what's going on mm. because that's the story being told. Where in truth, uh, you know, when we look at these generalizations, you know, 1% of hunters hunt for the trophy alone. And that was not from our study. That's from another study, Responsive Management, did that one a few years ago. Great study, really debunking the trophy aspect altogether. Uh, but, but, you know, that fueled our curiosity on what else could be wrong. So our study found that married hunters have more confidence in their ability to hunt, and they have full spousal approval. I mean, by far, uh, most hunters have their spouse's approval to hunt. And then, really interesting, we found out that your average papa probably outhunts the bros. <laughs> huh. uh, the, the, if you're 65 or older, you're about 15% more likely to have a successful season than someone that's 25 and under. Wow. Yeah, and, I wouldn't have thought I that, but I guess, you know, there's something to that adage of, you know, you can't, uh, you can't beat experience, right? So 
That, that it does make yeah, sense. Absolutely. That's a bunch more seasons in the field, and they probably, I guarantee you that the 65-year-old and up crowd, they might not be spending as many days, but they're probably picking those days more wisely, you know, based off of past uh, failures and successes. Yeah, and, and it also, uh, you know, some of the other things that correlated with our research and some other research that's been done, we noticed that, um, you know, uh, the younger hunters uh, might have less success, but then there's also a period where people start to hunt with e- like for ease. Like a lot of people move into hunting with a rifle when their kids start to be of, uh, or when they start to have kids, and then they come back into a bow later in life. And and so it's almost like you know once you're out of that child rearing age, you have a little more flexibility. You're allowed to you know you can go hunt. Like right now, I don't know about you, Cable, but like I hunt when I can. Mm-hmm. If, if my DeerCast app tells me it's a bad day to hunt, but it's the only day I can hunt this week, I'm probably still going. Oh yeah, I know a lot, of you, <laughs> lot. A lot of guys are, you know, they're not going to bust out their trophy bucks that they've been chasing unless it's perfect weather. But I don't have that luxury. Uh, you know, I've got two little kids running the company, and and that's very common for my age. So a lot of people, when they get up in age, have a little more flexibility. They have the most spousal support. So uh, also worth noting. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does start to make sense when you see all these pieces come together, totally. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing um, in the study, one quote that I'll, I'll, I'll share here is it says, short of politicians, it's hard to think of a persona more stereotyped than the modern hunter. When you think about that, mm-hmm. I, I, I read that and I was like, man, that's true. Who else is, let's say, vilified? And, and usually it's not a positive stereotype, right? The people aren't, yeah. the media and, and other people are like, wow, look at these hunters. They're doing such great things conservation-wise and no, it's it's usually a picture of a girl. Hey, look, this bitch shot this giraffe in Africa, and they don't put any backstory yeah. to it or any context at all. It's just a photo, and then that thing goes viral, and and yeah, and it goes it goes from there, and and we're all affected by that, right? And it's not usually yep. for better or worse; it's for worse. So right, it's uh, it is true that we are we are stereotyped uh, to the ninth degree, no doubt about that, and that uh, yeah, and that is nobody, nobody's. You know, you're finally starting to see this year was a big year, honestly, for hunting in some ways and cover it. The media started to cover the food movement. You know, back in January, we saw uh, within about a 30-day time span, I think it was 30 days. I might be wrong. I know the Wall Street Journal was the first one that put hunting on the cover Uh in a positive light. And then the, the New York Times did it as well. But even then, you know, I think that'll trickle down. But by far, most people don't say, man, hunters, they're always out there providing food for their families. It's like, no, you shot shot that deer for just for the antlers. And, I mean, I've, I know you've seen it, too. Like, the, I think you finally made your page private on Instagram. I did. Because <laughs> yeah. of the amount of crap you get. But, uh, yeah, how many times do you see people ignorantly saying that, like, oh, you're not even going to eat that deer? Like, who doesn't eat deer? I, I don't <laughs> It's just yeah. stereotypes are so wrong, man. Yeah. They miss it. So, they whiff so hard on uh, the definition of, of what it really means to hunt. So that's that's part of why we wanted to dig into this. I think if you shot something, right, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm sitting in an office full of amazing mounts, and I, and they're all important to me. But there's no point in, in shooting it if that's all there is, right? Like it's the meals right. with your family. And um, shoot, I just smoked a goose yesterday and had a friends in from out of town, and they never even – Really, when I showed them, what it, they didn't even know what a Canada goose was, right? These are people from New York that were longtime friends of my wife. But when like I, the things in the park, <laughs> right? But they didn't even know what it, they just they just call a goose a goose. They don't know the difference between a snow, a speck, or right. a honker, or a cackler, or any of it. And uh, and so I fed it to them, and they're like, "Man, this is great. We'd eat, we'd pay money to eat this in a restaurant." 
But we didn't even know this right. was a thing, really, because we just thought hunters were bloodthirsty, <laughs> like, yep. and just all about the the trophy. We didn't get this family, uh, this cultural thing of, of eating what you kill. So, uh. yeah, dude, I'm, it's kind of a fun tangent here. I'm in a we we do like a monthly dinner club with our friends, and you know, there's there's about ten or twelve of us in this. So every month we get to go to somebody's house, and they cook something that's kind of near and dear to. Like I got these friends that always cook. Uh, uh, Gosh, now I can't think of it. Uh, it's like an African dish uh, or di- like type dish that uh-huh. their family's from that area. And you get stuff that you're not used to, right? So I always make a point to make wild game. Uh, and, and my wife, I'm, I'm slowly, she used to be really she's like, you got to provide alternatives. You can't just serve wild game. And, and, you know, I'm finally getting her there to where like the main dish this year was venison. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually made an African dish too. I did a Tunisian stew, which is in Hank Shaw's book, Buck Buck Moose. And uh, they loved it, you know, and it's like, wow, I didn't know venison could be so good, you know. And then people, when they go back for seconds, I had a little beef version of this uh, just in case anybody didn't want to eat it. And people are going back for the venison. So I really, cooking's a great way to expose people. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So um, what what common misconceptions did you think would be misproven in this in this study? And then what actually was the reality? You talked about a few of them, but there's a lot more to the study yeah. than, than. Well, so I've, on my podcast, I have long lamented the industry for uh the behavior i talked about and actually that was the second hypothesis that we had was that the hunting industry is really hanging itself and i i came into i've I've been around hunting my whole life but i I have the industry the industry side of things is a lot different than our average hunter would probably expect and so i've came into this with a fresh perspective and a lot of the the ways that the industry operates in, I, I've thought could operate more efficiently, so or or better from the marketing side. That was my background, right? Mm-hmm. So really, I, I'm going to kind of back up and give you a long answer to that. Uh, sure. You know, recently some research came out that as companies spend more in advertising, the overall population's happiness decreases. Now, I don't know if this is true. This wasn't my research. Uh, I don't know if I buy it entirely, but correlation. And correlation doesn't always equal causation, but I do think it brings an interesting message that modern advertising's approach to selling is to make it desirable, right? So the best way to do that is to make it feel like it's needed, not wanted. Mm-hmm. So overall, it's been my personal opinion that a lot of hunting brands have created such a strong narrative that you have to have their expensive gear to hunt, or you have to have this scope or gun or piece of clothing or duck call or whatever it is. And, you know, to be able to do this at the best you can. And you know what? Hunters spend a whole lot of money, man. We spend $2,800 a year on average. And I know your Texas guys down there are like, I spent that by June. Uh, I wish I only spent that much. Yeah, for sure. My wife would be happy about that too. So Right. But if you think about that as an average, think about this. The average hiker, they only spend $465 a year on gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. You know, so so like to, to look at the scale, I mean, we spend hunters spend twice what anglers spend. So there's a lot of money being spent here. So a lot of it makes sense that they're competing for, for these dollars. Right. They're, I mean, you get, you got a brand that's selling expensive gear. But our study is really proving that having this message uh, is it's having a ne- negative impact on hunters. I mean, overall. Younger hunters and especially young single hunters are intimidated by their lack of knowledge, huh. and uh, all hunters are less likely to hunt because of budget constraints. And, you know, but when you ask people what are the barriers to keep you from hunting, budget is consistently one of the top answers. And I think about that. Why do people think it's expensive? It's because they, that when you're told that you have to have this thing to be able to do this, right? You know, that's been I've seen a lot of people 
trying to combat this. So I know this isn't, I'm not the only one that's had this gut feeling of this, right? I, I think it, it might've been the hunting public guys that did like the $500 Walmart challenge. Like, can you go on a hunt successfully for 500 bucks out of Walmart, right? Uh-huh. You don't have to spend $2,800. Uh, there's a lot of people that are tackling this. So I know it's not just me that's starting to suspect this. Um, and I know well, you, I lived you it because it. I got into hunting yeah. later. Like I grew up fishing and I've talked about this on the show. My dad, and to this day is if he could do one thing, he'd want to go bass fishing. Right. And so, we grew up camping and doing a lot of fishing. We we didn't even have guns in the house. So like, and his dad was a fisherman, and that's just what how it was. Uh, so my buddies and I think it was about twenty. Uh, they were like, "You have a lab. It's going duck hunting with us. You're coming too." I was like, uh, "I don't have a shotgun, or I don't even know if I've ever shot a shotgun." To be honest with you, like, I'll oh, go to academy and pick up an eight seventy. And I was like, "Well, how much is that?" At the time, it was like one hundred eighty bucks, right? So I waited a few tables, and and uh, that was a hundred and eighty dollars shotgun, and I think a, probably a box of shells was nine bucks, eight nine bucks, and your hunting license, and you're you're at two hundred and twenty thirty dollars, and you're ready to go yep. duck hunting, right? Yep. Now you get later, you get decoys and waders, but I probably borrowed a pair at the time, and sure, all that can add up, but uh, you could you could do it all for like I said, very affordable. And I was on a college kid's budget, so you know, eating ramen and stuff, so. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely luxuries that I think are worth buying into uh, as you, you get more into hunting, but sure. an entry level person doesn't need that. Right. Like um, I definitely hunted a whole, I've killed, I've killed quite a few deer wearing Walmart, you know, cotton bids. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a great way to start. And I think overall, my hope is as people talk more about R3 and, and recruitment, I hope that part of that conversation is making it easy, making it accessible. Now, you, you and I uh, both work with First Light. It's a you know great example of a high-end brand that's also doing a lot of work to make hunting, to, to create content, to make it feel accessible, to help people understand how to get out there. Um, mm-hmm. To me, they're one of the best examples of a brand. Like That's what I wish more people would model their marketing after. They've, they've created a ton of content and, and, you know, help try to help people find a way to get out there and, and to get after it. So, you know, overall, um, our findings with young hunters, I hope, should start to course correct some of the industry thinking. You know, how, how are we as a brand, even if we do sell $300, $400 coats, you know, how are we going to help create the next generation of hunters? Because, you know, I mentioned the success rate of that 65 and up, man. But, I mean, statistically, boomers, they're starting to age out of hunting. Uh, More and more, I think we've got a projected seven or eight years left uh, of the average boomer really being able to get out there and physically get after it, you know. Mm -hmm. So the more we can teach people to to be, you know, to – making it accessible. Um, and I don't mean land access. Actually, that was one of the surprising things that came back out of this is that, and, and this is one, you know, we found a lot of things that solidify. like, that's the one thing I always hear is like, we, is, you know, the hunting community, well, I don't go cause I don't have land access. Uh, yeah. and it's really interesting, you know, uh, Buck Ryan with outdoor access, uh, I was talking to him about this and their whole thing is providing land. And I mentioned it to him and he said, Oh yeah, people like his biggest selling point isn't even the land. It's the ease, right? Like I mentioned, um, you know, or actually, I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but the, uh, one of the top constraints on married hunters is just time, right? Mm-hmm. So having a product like that, where you can get in there in and out quickly, that takes down a bigger barrier than even land access. So we had some interesting stuff like that. Um, I expected land access to be the top thing that sure. everybody would would say that, that is why they don't hunt. It's not even top three for married hunters. Um, so so it, there were surprises like that. But when when you ask like when we set out to find something, finding out if if the hunting industry overall 
is doing a good job of making hunting feel possible to me. Um, I feel like we actually found that, no, we all like as an industry, we need to do better at, at building this next generation. Yeah. Want to dive in a little deeper. However, we need to take a quick break. Are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? Yes, sir. Perfect. And that segment brought to you proudly by Vortex Optics and the Fury HD range finding binocular. If you're a minimalist like me, hey, why take an extra piece of gear into the field? Just grab the Fury. You've got a rangefinder and your binos combined into one piece. You can find it as well as Vortex's entire lineup of great optics and the best warranty in the industry right there at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back with more from Go Wild's Brad Luttrell on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Crow Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro counties. Three Crow does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to threecurl.com or call 214-641-8097 today. There's a little Fred Eaglesmith bringing us back. Jericho, the name of that one. (laughs) Love Fred Eaglesmith. Uh, Actually invited him on the show years ago, and his uh, publicist said, well, Cable, you know know, he's a practicing Buddhist now, so all those songs about hunting and fishing, he doesn't really do that anymore. Okay, well, tell Fred he's a good dude, and uh, I'll still enjoy his music, but I don't guess we'll have much to talk about. That being said, (laughs) thank you guys and gals. For tuning in to the Lone Star Outdoors show today. Thanks to Dallas Safari Club, as always, our title sponsor. Hopefully, y'all are making plans to come out to Heritage 2020. That is the big event coming up next weekend at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center in downtown Dallas. That's January 9th through the 12th. It's Dallas Safari Club's annual convention, and I'll be out there every day. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year. Um, come find me. I'll be volunteering in the mornings and then walking around taping podcasts and uh, visiting with you guys and gals for the rest of the event. 
But yeah, I will see you out there. Heritage 2020. It's going to be an awesome show. Look forward to seeing you there. Um, with that being said, let's pick it back up with Brad Luttrell of Go Wild as we are breaking down some of the data of Go Wild's recent hunter survey. And Brad, going back to what you said before the break, as far as the young hunter, 25 and under, one of the main obstacles for that group, for that demographic, is knowledge. And what I really despise is when I see these young hunters, and a lot of times they're too afraid to even ask the question, but someone will ask a question on a hunting forum or social media platform, and they'll just get railroaded by hunters who have been doing it longer than them. It just it just disgusts me. People are asking for help, asking for advice, and we, the folks who have been doing it longer, need to step up and say, hey, man, this is what I would do, or this is what my experience tells me. Uh, and, and sometimes I don't see that, and it really irks me. Yeah, man, I, uh, I, I've i only been duck hunting once. I went with Jeremiah Dowdy, uh, our mutual buddy. Uh-huh. You know, I got to go down and hunt Texas with him last year, and as, with as many deer as I've been able to butcher before, which isn't like dozens or anything. I, I started deer hunting about seven, eight years ago, but had you know butchered my fair share, and I still learned a ton from Jeremiah on something I had done. But then, you know, how he taught me with the duck hunting and his approach to it, and um, you know, what like walking me through everything as we're doing it, so I really understood it. Like I wish everybody could learn or teach somebody like that. You know, yeah, uh, I think it's an admirable thing to do. Hey, one other one other interesting thing. I know you got kids. This, you'll find this interesting. Um, it seems like spouses are most likely to hunt together pre-kids and when their kids reach an adult age. So that that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, another thing I've long been uh, uh, suspicious of is I don't think hunting is necessarily competing with anti-hunters as much anymore as we are with Fortnite or kids sports. You know? Right. Right. Um, when when we were kids, man, it was uh it was much different in the, in the '80s what people did for recreation, right? And I was, you know, I'm I'm a late '80s kid, uh, but but recreation at that time that was a peak of hunting, right? I, numbers started to decline around that time. You know, youth sports have picked up. These AAU leagues are crazy. People are traveling nonstop. My son's seven. He's playing freaking club soccer, two practices a week, and either one or two games a weekend. And I say double headers on the weekend. My nephew's the same. Yeah, and it's only going to keep, and it's only going to, and then he plays baseball in the spring and soccer's year round. And yeah, I was born in 81 and like we didn't start club soccer. And I did play club soccer, but that was like sixth grade and it was two practices Mm -hmm. a week and a game on Saturday. That's absolutely ridiculous now. Yeah, so it's so intense. And, And then the funny thing is like, you, you know, when I was a kid, baseball was a season. Now you can find baseball or soccer or basketball leagues year-round, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Probably even more so down there where you guys are because yeah. you have better weather. He just did fall course, baseball but... on top of the soccer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, uh... so, so one thing that's concerning is, you know, we may not be rearing a generation of hunters with with that approach. So our study didn't dive into that exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another thing that I, I wish we had designed. There's certain things that come out of studies, and, and you realize, like, oh, we really need to dive into that more. I want to overlay some other stuff. But it, it was an interesting find that people are typically uh, – spouses are hunting together pre- and post-kids. So I can't say for sure they're not taking their kids, but it seems like – it's more of a selfish endeavor. Like maybe I'm going to run out, kind of like I said, I do. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to run out and hunt for three hours tonight because I can. Well, uh, and that's and true for, for our family. Uh, no, there's no doubt about that because Erin would go, she's not a hunter, but she would go watch the dogs. We'd go duck hunting or dove hunting. And once we had Henry, and then we he's seven and the girls are five, she never went again for until last dove season. So the girls would have been four. So she took four years from ever going hunting at all or even like tagging along 
when the kids were so young, you know. We'll see how that yeah. goes. What I do like about Henry is that he resents soccer when I tell him you can't go to the Deer Leafs with Dad this weekend because you have a soccer game. So he gets <laughs> he does get ticked off about that. So, so we'll that, I think he, he, he's being raised right. Be <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's no shortage of. I don't think uh, soccer is on at all a decline. I mean, it, that's one of the that is the fastest growing sport in the world right yeah. now. So, um, yeah, it's not having the same struggles as hunting. Uh, another another interesting little tidbit. Um, the you know I mentioned the spousal approval. The group that doesn't have that are the young married hunt or young married hunters. So they have a drastically different spousal approval rating. They're actually 22% less likely to receive ma- maximum spousal approval to hunt, and they see less success when they hunt, which could be these are the young married time. hunters. Yeah, or single yeah. So married. Like under, okay. Uh, I kind of mentioned like as as you get later in life, you have a higher approval rating from your spouse. So I don't yeah. know what's going on with that. We can make some assumptions there. Like well, that means maybe... we won. If when we get to that point, <laughs> we beat it into them enough, <laughs> and they finally just give up. That's what that means. Did you win, or are they sick of you, and they're like glad <laughs> to get you out of the house for a week to go to deer camp? I don't know. Either way, uh, you but, won. But they're... <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting. <laughs> there's some interesting correlations there. Yeah. I, mean, I, I to me like uh, that there's. There's a, I guess you could say there's some concern there if they're not getting uh, success and it, it's causing grief in their marriage. Like, are they going to turn into a lifelong hunter? And I don't know. Um, I mean, that's the one we capped that at 25. And the thing we noticed uh, through another study, this wasn't ours, but Pete, the average uh, age right now to have your first child, I think, is 26. Uh-huh. So, so in that next bracket, you're introducing another point in your life, which I just kind of identified. We think people are hunting less with that period of their life. So again, this is kind of some things that we didn't necessarily address, but we can kind of look at, and it seems like people are maybe hunting less. They're definitely hunting less with their spouse at that age. Yeah. So if you're, if you're really struggling to become a hunter and you're young and married, when you have a kid, is that going to take, you know, you've had kids. I don't know that that's taking any stress out of your life. Oh no, so, you're going to be hunting even less at that point. I can tell you. Yeah, that's, sure. that's what I would assume. So, so it's just an interesting thing for everybody to be aware of. Maybe if you've got a young married, uh, buddy take him out hunting this weekend <laughs> yeah for sure and, so, and i'll tell so you this here's, um i get to call it a job so I, I i can use that excuse more often than not and and i i get to go hunting more than the average guy but when we started to have kids life changed from the perspective of now a hunting trip has to be on the calendar like months in advance because yeah. i can't just pick up and go like before we had kids aaron was cool she's like oh you're going out of town this weekend i was like yeah i'm gonna go up to Kansas and duck hunt with a buddy for three days. It's like, fine. Love you. See you when you get back now. No, if it's not in writing two months in advance, daddy's not going. <laughs> yep. Dude, me too. Yeah. Me too. Well, uh, dude, I mean, I just told you my next like 60 day schedule with all the trade shows. Like that, oh. that's not like we're in trade shows season right now, but my calendar is always like that. So I'm right there with you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of this is probably the, my favorite stat. <laughs> this is probably my favorite stat we came out of with the, the whole survey, which is single hunters think about hunting more than they do finding a spouse. <laughs> so yet to be married, or maybe they've chosen not to be married, but they think about hunting more than than finding a spouse. Which which we didn't ask them that directly. It was like how many times a day do you think about hunting? And then uh, for the single group, we did ask them, how many times do you think about a future spouse? So we were able to attribute that. We didn't ask them, like, do you think about hunting more in the future spouse? Uh-huh. Um, 
So we, I mean, it's spot on. I, I think it's a it's a great find. I thought it was one of the funnier things that we found out of the survey. So <laughs> you probably didn't ask the married hunters on purpose because it would have been a damning realization on them. But if you yeah, ask them, yeah, it's like, do they think about you, hunting more or their family more? Uh, I don't. I'd have to put yeah, a guess on that. Uh, do you think about hunting more or your future ex-wife? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, we didn't get into that, but I did find it interesting, though, on the in that same vein of when you're asking, and and you guys pulled over a thousand hunters for this survey. Um, yep. When you when asked whether they think about uh, hunting, how many times a day do they think about hunting? I think my, maybe it was, um, oh, and like uh, a vast like majority of people said six th- times or more. Yeah. So, so there were a couple things uh, six times a day or more. So there were a couple things that we we took some guesses on ranges because when you're designing a survey out, you know, you want multiple choice. You want people to to be able to give consistent answers so that you can use the data, right? If everybody mm-hmm. writes in an answer, it's not, it's not similar. So there were, that was one example where I was like, man, we should have opened that range on up. Uh, and then the amount of days that people hunt was one where um, I was like, wow, we, we totally missed the mark in, in not giving people more options because, and this is, this is where the current data out there is bad. I've read studies that say the average hunter hunts three three times a year. I've heard that on a very reputable podcast, and I've probably said it myself on mine. And, you know, we found uh, the majority of hunters, 57.8%, said they hunt at least 16-plus days per year. Mm-hmm. Dude, think about that. That's like how many multiples over what what people think the average is right now. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it is great. Now, so what I wish – I wish if we do this, uh, this you know, we're looking at doing a few more versions of these kind of studies. We're going to do one on fishing. We're going to do one on uh, firearms, I think, uh, TBD on which is next. But when we come back to hunting, I really want to look at finding how long or, like, what is the range? Like, because 16 days, I know I personally beat that. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I do pretty well to get out about 20 times a year. And I know this through my Go Wild account. Like, since I started tracking it on there. I've kind of been able to figure it out a little bit. I can go back and keep count. Um, so, so it's interesting that like we just whiffed it on that. We should have had in the 30 range probably since so many people hunt that often, yeah. but uh, it'll be interesting to go back and find where that actually sits. Um, here's the, here's the thing that made me laugh. I found it on looking at the study right now. Did the folks who thought about hunting more frequently find more success? And the answer was yes. Yep. Overwhelmingly, yes. And you think about it, and I sit here and six times a day is like it's not it's not even scratching the surface. I think about hunting all day, every day, and when you when you factor that into this statistic, yeah, if you're thinking about how to set up your bow stand on your property more times than someone else, then you're probably or like, you know, hey, how can I try to outsmart this mature buck? And I know he was moving through on this game trail at this time. What about when the wind is going this direction? You know, all that stuff factors in. Maybe they, maybe that's why. I don't know. But Yeah, it would have been interesting if we had done this survey at a different time of year. You know, that if there's a flaw, you might argue, like, if you ask people this in February, maybe it's a little different. Because mm-hmm. the average hunter, that's a very slow time for them, right? Right. I mean, some Florida's creeping into turkey season for youth. But, I mean, I think for the most part, uh, most people are a little slow. That's probably the slowest time of year uh, for hunters. And we, we see that in our – like, we know – that's going to be a slower time for us on activity, right? People aren't doing it. It's just cold in most of the country. They're not active as much. So we hit them in August and September when people literally their brain is firing all the time on hunting. 
so that could be that could be it. Uh, we'll have to maybe vary that a little bit next time and see if we can find a, a different result. Yeah, but either way, the the this result was interesting. If you think about hunting more often than the next guy, you're probably going to be more successful. So take yeah, that and for a lot what of it's worth. <laughs> right, a lot uh-huh. of that's thinking about the prep and uh, you know walking up on a property that you haven't even scouted online. You know you're probably going to struggle with that a little uh-huh. bit. You don't know where anything is. <laughs> oh gosh, I know I've woken up like or, or been just about to fall asleep, and I'm like, oh, I really need to go. Uh, Texas rig a dozen decoys right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. Prep is everything. That's, I mean, in our app, that's why we allow people to log time for hunting prep because so much goes into the prep. Well, I mean, a lot of times I'll spend, you know, as much time prepping for opening day over maybe a couple of days of cleaning the gun, finding all my camo, washing the camo, uh, you know, getting all ready and and then the actual hunt. Because a lot of times I am hunting in, you know, three to six hour windows Mm -hmm. most of the time. Well, my wife could tell you, and I make myself sound like a terrible husband and and uh, father during this interview, but I think a lot of people can relate. She's like trying to put the kids to bed, and she, I'm nowhere to be found, and I'm out in the garage getting my hunting gear ready for the next day's hunt. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, just, I, uh, and it's not because I don't want to help put the kids to bed. I just started thinking about that, and then uh, I've got a pretty one track mind, and that's where that's where I ended up in the garage. Uh, yeah, me you know. too. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too. Um, a lot of times, if I do end up helping with the kids to put the kids to bed, uh, my wife says I'm better with my son, and, and that might be true. He likes to read books. I think it's because I'm more animated on reading the books to him. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, once I get him to bed, I'm staying up until like 1 a.m. You know, pulling all the stuff together, and, and there's a whole lot of time goes into this stuff, man. It's just like me. My, I put my son to bed most nights, and uh, he falls asleep in five minutes. So the girls put up a, they're, they're fighters. So I'm, I'm happy with the current arrangement. So. Um, well, so was there anything else, any other quick hits on this, um, survey that we didn't hit on dispelled a lot of, uh, stereotypes and misconceptions about the modern hunter? No doubt about that. You know, I think those are the highlights. Uh, you know, one, one interesting thing, uh, just going back to, you know, disputing some of the, the marriage, uh, concerns, uh, we found that, 19.4 19.4 of uh, married female respondents have introduced their spouse to hunting compared to 66.5% of male uh, male respondents. And I, I would I wish we had dug more into that. That was something, um, you know, I have a lot of follow-up questions to that. My, my, like, I don't even know how we would design a survey to get at this, but it would be interesting to know um, if those women that introduced their spouse to hunting, like, how long have they been hunting? Who introduced them? Like, I have a lot of questions about that. That's a big gap, right? Mm-hmm. But the other question I have, too, is naturally, you know, our survey, I don't remember the exact breakdown. It's around the same amount of, it's pretty similar to the average, uh, you know, you hear that uh, women are 10 to 12% of hunting. It was something like that, too. But out of 1,000 people, I would like a maybe a bigger sample size on that. But, I mean, statistic, it's a statistically relevant survey. Um, I would just be interested in diving into that stat a little more to see, um, how many women have introduced their spouse into hunting? Because the reason I bring this up, when I was at the R3 convention um, two years ago from the uh, Council of the Hunting Council to Advance the Hunting and Shooting Sports, uh, a lot of the state agencies had shifted from focusing, you know, for years they focused on dad and, and they realized that, uh, that, you know, okay, if we focus on dad, dad goes hunting. If we focus on mom, mom takes the family. But our stat may suggest that males actually do take people. They're not as selfish as we would have thought. So that I don't know the answer to that. I'm leaving a very open-ended question there. Um, but it, it seems to contradict some of the current philosophy in some of the state agencies and how they're 
uh, approaching some of their classes. Now, I think most of them probably are still targeting males, so we might just be coming right back around to where um, they started in the first place. But I, I want to dig into that more over time because I think it's going to be interesting for R3 of, of you know, uh, maybe it's not a gender approach. It's more of like no matter who you get out there, you know, here are the things you should focus on, which yeah. we could pull from this survey. You know, we know the barriers now. One of the the biggest barrier uh, for a married hunter is work. Uh, followed by family commitments, budget constraints, Soccer. and then I mentioned land land, yeah. Uh, land access. Um, and then, you know, 16% of people said none, but then they identify knowledge. And then when we look at the single hunter, uh, their their barriers are um, work, land access, budget constraints, and then only 22% of them say family commitments, which makes sense. You mm -hmm. know, if mom tells you you can't go hunting and you're 25 years old, you're probably going to go anyways. Yeah. Um, but then knowledge is they have a higher barrier with knowledge. You know, they don't know as much uh, on average. Uh, and, and maybe that's because married hunters tend to be older. Uh, you could probably assume that. But, mm -hmm. but there's some interesting things from here that I think a lot of these state agencies could use to shape some of how they're they're teaching. Okay, but we know work and budget constraints are consistently the barrier. We should work to solve for that. Yeah. Well, and I'd also be interested to, if you if you do another one of these when you guys do another one of these surveys to to expand on that and say how many people took a new person hunting this year, or yeah. how how what percentage of you try to take a new person hunting this year? I try to take one uh, every year. At, at a minimum, and uh, right now my my neighbor's brother is chomping at the bit to go shoot a hog, and is real interested in the food aspect of the whole deal. Uh, so I think he's going to be the guy that I take this year. But think about how many hunters do we have in America, Brad? Roughly, eleven and a half million. So based on the 2016 numbers, there uh, are some. I, I heard last year that we saw an uptick. I never saw an official report on it, but I heard that there was a pretty good surplus. And then. I don't know. Uh, I'll be interested to hear when when the new study comes out. Kentucky, um, you know, that's where I am. We, we harvested more deer during gun season this year, I think, than ever before uh, during a modern gun. So that would uh, that tells me either a whole lot of people filled doe tags because uh, we can only take one buck, or we had a really good year for getting people outside. Yeah. So I, I'll be interested to see the new numbers if we didn't have an uptick because it's not like we've been in constant decline. 2011, we actually went up about four or five million, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Uh, I'm kind of quoting that study. Probably off, Duck Dynasty but, but yeah. related, you know. But it could be, man. Yeah. I think Duck Dynasty is one of the Duck Dynasty. Joe Rogan, you know, there's a couple of these really big powerhouse celebrities that have have. You can't argue that they've done a lot for for hunting. I think Duck Dynasty broke down a lot of barriers on on uh, what people thought hunting mm -hmm. was. So, mm -hmm. well, it, it, but going back to that number, say 11 and a half million, whether it's sad or 12 yep. or whatever. Let's just say every one of us took a new person hunting every year, right? Just one person. Unselfish act. And, and I guarantee you every one of us knows one person that is kind of curious and has asked you, hey, well, tell me more about that. But they're, maybe they haven't even asked to, for that invite yet because they don't want to you know, overstep that boundary. Um, just invite them because let's say half of them. If just half of them went and did it again, half of them, it, it, it stuck. Then you've, you've you know – by in two years you've you've doubled your number. Um, yeah. So, think about that. I, I I wish I could remember where it was. I was trying to look it up really quick, but I, I did a uh, I did a breakdown that was even more forgiving than than half. You know, it was like one out of every ten. Mm. Uh, how fast we could. Uh, maybe it's like one in seven or something, but it, you know, it doesn't take much, man. I mean, if everybody would just get that mentality of of I'm going to take somebody this year. Um, you don't need to know a lot. You know, failing together is still fun. <laughs> well, yeah. I have a. 
I've taken on turkey hunting, and uh, I've uh, I had two successful seasons, and I have two unsuccessful. That is not one where I would say, "Here, take a newbie and expect to find success on that." <laughs> but but I mean, getting out and hearing them alone yeah, is fun, yeah. right? Like you know, it's, that's what I like about turkey hunting um, of of tackling it is is the the I do agree with you. It's much better if you have somebody that knows how to call. But figuring it out together, you know, that's an, at least an easy one to go out and set up a blind and sit. If nothing else, just sitting where you think there are turkeys. It's fun. You can learn together. It doesn't take as much as people. You don't have to be an expert. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. So there easy, go. cable can do it <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah. A conversation. Yeah. Oh well, hey Brad, uh, we're about out of time, my friend. This has been great stuff, insightful. I always like to to hear interesting stuff. The survey certainly, like I said, has dispelled some misconceptions. I think we as a hunting community. Um, probably had collectively uh so great job by uh by you guys over at go wild on on just bringing some new stuff to light here and i look forward to uh to the the, the topics that y'all will hit on on the next survey it's going to be equally equally as fascinating i'm sure yeah thanks man well uh we're proud to have you know one of my co-founders is a data scientist so uh he's he's a nerd through and through he's got 10 years of looking at data and trying to you know find interesting takeaways and I thought he did a great job with designing this survey, and I look forward to putting his brain to work on the on the next one. Well, if you want to plug the uh, the Go Wild app, go ahead and do that as well. Yeah, yeah, I would love for people to to join uh, our community. You were talking earlier about kids joining and uh, you know finding a place to learn. We well, we have a great app to learn. We have a great app to share your knowledge. So if you're on the App Store, uh, Apple or Android, and we'll be launching the desktop website in 2020, early in 2020. So we're really going to be growing this year. But uh, Go Wild is just one word. Uh, look us up. You can find us online at timetogowild.com. That'll point you to the right page to download the app. If you just want to follow us on social and, and kind of see what uh, we're all about, that's Go Wild app, all one word. Um, and I'm, I'm Brad Luttrell, uh, B-R-A-D-L-U-T-T-R-E-L-L on, uh, on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. And uh, you can find me on Go Wild, and I answer all of my direct messages if people have questions or they want to talk about the survey. Perfect. And I'm currently not on Facebook either. Or at least the Lone Star Door Show is enjoying a 30-day ban, so don't look for me on there. <laughs> did you get banned? <laughs> I got banned. Uh, uh, I don't even know. I think bad. it was I did a I did like a Mossberg rifle giveaway, and I think they uh, they someone reported oh, it. Dude. So. Well, so they they have a they've kind of announced. I haven't really found the official announcement yet, but the the news websites are reporting that influencers will not allow to be able to promote guns anymore. So, hmm. yeah. Bye, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy yeah. hey we appreciate right, it brad man. thanks for having me yep take yep, care thanks all right there you have it go wilds brad luttrell breaking down the findings of their recent hunter survey uh, made up of over a thousand hunters that they uh they polled and truly interesting stuff we always hear or see what other folks think of us as hunters interesting to see uh what we think of ourselves and how we really are compared to those stereotypes of us. So, great stuff from Brad. That segment of the show brought to you by Our Luck Outfitters. If you're looking for that moose hunt, and I'm going to call it, uh, I don't want to call it a blue-collar moose hunt, but when you think about going to Newfoundland with Our Luck versus Alaska or the Yukon, you're at about a $15,000 price difference. So, if you want to shoot a moose and you don't want to break the bank, Still want to have a great experience. I certainly did. Shot a bull moose at 65 yards that was all fired up, rutting, coming into the call. It was everything I hoped it would be. The people of Newfoundland are just as beautiful as the countryside itself. 
Uh, give our luck a shout. You can find them at ourluckoutfitters.com. Highly recommend it. Uh, unfortunately, man, just looking at the clock, we got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Brad of Go Wild, as well as our other guest today, Shane Smith, frontman of Shane Smith and the Saints. Uh, certainly enjoyed having him in studio. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith wishing everyone a wonderful 2020. And y'all have a great weekend outdoors. Tonight, don't